Steve and Tina Same are here this morning. Again, I know that this relationship goes back as a church roughly 20 years. I don't know when the exact date is. They are missionaries in the name of Jesus Christ in the city of London. So they have a video to show us again by most of you know them. For those of you who don't, this will be an introduction. Otherwise, it'll be a reminder just who they are, what the Lord has called them to do. And Steve is going to teach us out of God's word this morning and just asking for our God to bless our fellowship with him and to bless our fellowship with one another and all things. Well, good morning and uh, God is so good to us, isn't he? He's so precious to meet our needs in this, especially in this different time in each one of our lives. And so, Father, we just come to you this morning. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. We are grateful. We're grateful, God. And Lord, uh, you've reminded us of the things that, Lord, are not, Lord God, and the things that are, and the things that really are important to us, Lord. You've reminded us, Lord God, of your goodness and your grace. And Lord, if we open your word this morning, remind us once again of who you are, O oh God, and how much you love us. Amen. Amen. You going to turn the lights on or not? Thank you. I would rather see you. All right, well, I would like to share with you this morning about uh, uh, a title called, Who is Your Love? I think it's always good for us to refresh our thoughts and our minds and our, our ability to reason with uh, who and what is going on in each of our lives and especially in this time. Have you ever experienced such a time as this in your lives? I haven't, I know that. It's tested my heart, my heart and in my relationship with God. And I know that's not something that is uh, not already been asked of you from this pulpit, nor is it something you have not thought yourself in your own time with God. Uh, but I really truly believe that we will never really truly understand what we have gained unless we understand what we've lost. So we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to gauge those two. What have I gained in Christ? But it, why have I gained what I've gained? It's because I have to understand what was lost. And maybe it'll help me to understand how valuable what I've gained is, truly. So uh, I'm going to read out of Isaiah chapter 46 here. Verse 9 and 10. And this is a, a word that came to the prophet Isaiah as he was, was dealing with the word that the Lord had given him to share with the lost of Israel. And he says, uh, the Lord speaks to Isaiah and says, uh, I'm going to start in verse 8 actually. Sorry about that, John. Remember this and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O oh, you transgressors. 
Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Here, when he says, I'm declaring the end from the beginning, you'd think he'd say the beginning from the end. But our God knows the end before the beginning starts, unlike us. Isn't that comforting? He knows that because he is present. He is our God that is present all the time. And so we don't have to think about what's coming. And maybe that's one of the greatest things that we have had to deal with in this pandemic or this time that has not just been in Atlanta or not just been in the United States, but the entire world has been affected. England is still on an emergency state of lockdown. And uh, the Prime Minister uh, said that you, you can only go out for one form of exercise. One form, so not a push-up and a jumping jack, I presume. Uh, but it's the stringent idea that a socialist government has given so that it can make an impression on us. Sounds like the law, doesn't it? And really, that's what the Old Testament is. It was in a, a stringent form to understand what sin was, what was, what was displeasurable to God, and what would separate us from God. And that's good to remember especially when we are in such a state as we are now, how can I, is this your prayer? Because it's been mine. How can I get closer to God? How can I, what can I do in my thinking and in my, my natural time in my life to get closer to God? So in understanding that, that God knows the beginning from the end, let's go to the beginning. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, verse 8. And we're all very familiar with this, uh, this scripture. And, and, and we might even say, no, not again. We're not going to talk about sin. We're not going to talk about Adam and Eve in the garden. We're not, it seems like a story that I learned from a, as a child, right? But I really believe that the whole word of God is, is profitable. And even that which we think we already knew, just as uh, Pastor Blake just uh, uh, vividly uh, explained, uh, you know, that psalm that spoke to him and God already knew what he was thinking 2,500 years before. It's just so too beautiful, isn't it? It's too wonderful that our God knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. And that he is ever present to meet our needs. Always understanding what's already on our lips before we speak it. And our minds before we think it. How could you get any better than that? When she, I'm glad I'm, uh, uh, that God hasn't given us the ability to do that with our children. 
If I already knew what they were thinking, I would already get upset before they said it. And you know, all you could go on and on with that, couldn't you? But God has given us the ability to trust Him. And to trust Him with everything. Because He is ever-present to meet our needs. So here in Genesis chapter 2, verse 8, Adam and Eve have already been given this, this uh, well actually it's just Adam at this point, but uh, God is, has already created the heavens and the earth. So the six days of creation have been finished and the seventh day God rested and now uh, all things are, are perfect in the eyes of God and he's rested. So there's no more creation. So here in verse 8, it says, And the Lord God planted a garden. I'm going to stop there just for a second. So he planted a garden. So it's in Eden, eastward in Eden. But that word planted a garden, he didn't recreate. He didn't create a garden because he was finished creating. And now he took what he created, which was this word uh, garden, planted a garden was he took the vegetation that he already had created and he formed a garden. And this word is hedge. It's a hedge. And as a matter of fact, I'll give you a, a, a broader sense of the definition. He planted a hedged ground, God did himself, of planned, planted vegetation. A shut-in formation to protect and restrain or defend. Sounds kind of like a fortress, doesn't it? But God took what he already created and he planted this garden, hedged garden. We know what a hedge is, most of us. We have to trim them all the time or we have to tend them. Uh, and God formed this formation to defend Adam and Eve, who's going to come out of Adam's rib, uh, in this place called the Garden of Eden in the, in the eastward uh, Eden. So it was a place to defend them from everything else. And it was for the future and for our future to understand what God was going to do and is going to do in our life. He wants to defend us. He wants to be our protector but we have to let him, right? We have to let God be God. And that is lifelong. And that's not like this, that's like this, right? It can't be like this, or it's not like anything with God. It's like with me. So he planned this garden, and it could have been a million, the world's big, right? We all know that now very well. It could have been a million miles by a million miles by a million miles, this hedge. But it was this small area in reference to the entire area of the earth of Eden, eastern and eastward in, in, in Eden, that God put Adam and then Eve in it to defend them and to restrain them. And what did they, were they restrained from? We're going to look at 15 and 17 of 2. So here is God wanting to be their complete protector. 
And uh, as parents, we understand that very well, don't we? Um, some, some people would rephrase that to um, parents want to be their, their children's overprotector. Um, and uh, that may be true also uh, because of the desire in the heart to take care but still permit choice, right? That's hard for a parent. If you've been a parent, you know. Yes, you go ahead and choose, but let me tell you how to choose correctly. Wait a minute, don't do that. You know, it's, it's difficult. Listen, we're all really children, right? We still have choice. I don't care if you're, you know, my age, 57, or you are... Uh, eight or 10 or 105. We all are still really children right here. My, my father just uh, about a year ago died um, and he was uh, four months away from being 98 years old. And uh, before he died, I asked him, I said, Dad, I said, can I ask you a question? He said, of course, go ahead, Steve. And he said, uh, I'm, I'm number nine out of 10 children. So they had five boys and five girls. I'm near the end. And uh, I said, um, I asked him, I said, uh, how old do you feel up here? And he said, oh, that's a good question. He said, well, about 20. <laughs> but I'm not 20 here. I'm 20 here. We all really uh, think we're something we're not. <laughs> and even in the area of uh, our aggression in the area of trying to sort out what life is and what life isn't. And God knew that. That's why he said, I am the God of the present, the beginning and the end. I desire to defend and restrain and to help you. So 15 through 17 says, And the Lord God took man and put him in the Garden of Eden, to tend and keep it, so work is good. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it you shall surely die. So I want to call this the, the first great commission. And it was to Adam and Eve. And it was pretty simple. In this garden that I placed you around this hedge of protection, I've given you everything that you need is in this, but the greatest thing you need in this is me. That's what God was saying there. So do not eat of one tree, but he gave, still gave him choice. Do not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For the day that you eat of it, you will you will die. You will begin, your soul will begin to perish. Sin will take effect. And it was very clear. One tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I really believe that this was simple disobedience or, or to obey or not to obey. And he was saying that the day that you desire to eat of that and partake of it, you have 
desired something that is not of me. So this knowledge of good and evil really is to, it, what God was saying was, you will begin to ascertain or you'll begin to see or you'll begin to experience everything around you, anything around you, but you will begin to experience it apart from my grace, apart from God's grace. And that's really what we do when we leave God out of our life in anything we do. We, we tend to feel or desire something, the feelings of it, the pleasures of it, for a season. And it's apart from God's grace. And that's what happened with Adam and Eve here because we know the end of this story, right? They ate of this tree and they ended up dying within and they tried to cover their own shame and they sewed fig leaves together. Not sure how that would have looked, but they, they learned to sew um, quickly. And God said, no, no, this will cover your sin. And he took the skin, which he had to do the first blood offering. Uh, and he took the skins of animals and he covered, he said, this will cover your sin. Without, without, uh, without the shedding of blood, no sin can be forgiven. We know in Hebrews chapter 9. So, uh, God prepared the way for mercy. And he always does in our life. Right now, I believe this time that we've experienced in the last three or four months, some of us more longer than others, has been God's mercy to us. This has been really nothing, has it? Hasn't it? I mean, okay, you've suffered some. We've, we've, we've had to do without. But we understand uh, uh, that God is just drawing us to him. He's showing us how much we need him. He's showing us how much dependence we had on other things. It is such merciful, kind, loving characteristics of our God that we're feeling right now because it's going to get worse. And God's testing us, or trying our hearts, and he's, he's asking us, let me prepare your heart for what is coming and where, where I want you. Sanctification in our lives is, the, is, is, is more valuable than anything in our lives if we trust God for that sanctification. So, the reason why God said to not eat of this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is because, again, he knew the end from the beginning. He knew we can't handle knowledge. I mean, look at, look at our world today. We, to understand right and wrong is hard enough, good and bad. The knowledge of, of what is right and wrong, we, we can't end up with wisdom. Because God is all wise. And so in that garden, when God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day, and I'm, I'm sure it was daily, it was, you know, it was emphasized, God gave them what they needed for that day. And he gave them that knowledge of what was good. They never needed to know what was evil. Wouldn't that be wonderful not to know evil? It's, it's coming. <laughs> 
It's coming to us forever as we continue to uh, fight out this good fight of faith that we have here. We are living in a time right now, it's the most exciting time ever on this earth. You might say, well, it doesn't feel like that. It doesn't feel so exciting. You are the most blessed generation. We are the most blessed generation ever because we get to experience and share the word of God before his coming to this world like never before. The world has been given notice and we have the opportunity to share his mercy and his love with the compassion that we've received. We now get to give it away. And it wasn't ours in the beginning. And we didn't deserve it. And we didn't do anything to get it. And now God said, I want, now I want you to give that away. And by the way, I'll give you more once you do. I will fill you up. So when we look at Genesis chapter 4, and I'm going to move pretty quick here because um, I want to make a, a foundation because the next two people are Adam of Adam and Eve's children, the, the first two are Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel, there came a time that they felt guilty. You ever felt guilty before? You ever felt? I hope so. They wanted to offer God an offering and it's, they understood what pleased God. And that's all God ever wants to teach us, right? How to please Him because He knows when we please God, then we will have his pleasure. And he created us, so it's the only way to truly have pleasure on this earth. So, here in Genesis 4, 4, 4 and 5, Cain and Abel come to, to offer God an offering, and it says in verse 4, and Abel also brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. So let's, let's stop there for a minute. He had respect. So this word respect in the Hebrew is a real simple word. It means to look at. That's all it means, really. It's, it's a real definition. And if you have children or grandchildren, uh, especially if they're young children, we have uh, six grandkids and uh, three, three children, three boys, and... Uh, uh, a child, especially a young child, when they're, they're doing something, they want you to look at them. And they know if you're not looking at them. So our grandchild might say, say, hey, Grandpa, look. And they might be on one foot just standing there. And I've seen it before, right? We've all seen those things. But I could be, okay, I, but until I look at them, I give them my eyes I haven't given them respect. I haven't really shown them my love and my care. We all need that. We need each other's love and respect right now more than ever, don't we? We need to understand that, that we can not only have each other as the body of Christ and our love, love and respect for one another, but we can also share it with other people that have no idea what respect and love is. But God showed His respect unto Abel because he brought 
this, this uh, uh, offering, this blood offering to him and the fat thereof, the best parts of it. And it's the way that his parents were forgiven and he knew it. It was the blood offering. But it says right after this in verse 5, but Cain and to his offering, God had not respect. He didn't look at him. He, didn't, he would not look at him and love him in the same manner at all that he did with his brother Abel. And Cain, the first thing he did, it says, and Cain was very wroth. That's, that's a lot greater than angry. He was wroth. Sounds like it, doesn't it? And his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why hast thy countenance fallen? And if thou dost well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou dost not well, sin lies at your door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So even in the understanding of what was right, and Cain understood that, God still had loving kindness and mercy to direct him reasonably. Listen, you know that's not right, but you still can do what's right. And your brother Abel did what was right. That's why I looked upon him. That's why I gave him my respect. And that's because he respected me. And so, therefore, sin's knocking at your door. You have to master it. You have to overcome this. And I'm telling you how to do it. And all he had to do was say, I take the produce or the whatever I had from this ground that I grew, it might have been one of the first fruits of it, and take it over to my brother Abel and say, I, I want to purchase, I want to barter, I want to buy a lamb from you, I want to buy an animal from you, and please God, I want the God's respect. I want God's love, I want to have this cherished relationship that I know I can have. But he didn't, he got angry. And his anger turned into bitterness quickly and he killed his brother as the first murder in the Bible. And we know that can happen, right? Anger can turn into bitterness pretty quickly if we're not seeking forgiveness. We're not sensitive to our need, our true need, and we want God to look at us. Now turn with me quickly to Deuteronomy 29.29. This is a portion in Scripture where uh, Moses, so we're jumping in the Bible. Moses uh, is now uh, given the law from God, the Ten Commandments. He's also smashed them. He's gotten new ones. Many people have perished. They have died. They've been executed by the Levitical priesthood for dancing and, and honoring uh, idols, um, particularly the golden calf. And uh, so in this portion of Deuteronomy chapter 29, Moses is, has already talked all about the laws, the Ten Commandments again, and he's talked about the blessings and the curses. And he's lifted up to Israel the promised land and where they're going and what God desires to give them. And then all of a sudden, the Lord speaks to, to Moses right here and he says... The secret things, the hidden things, the concealed things, the covered things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed 
those things that are open or discovered, uncovered, those things that are published, this is, this is that, belong to us and our children forever. To us and our children forever, that we may do them, that we may be dressed, dressed, covered, skins, covered with them, right? So that we may do all the words of the law. So we have God speaking to Moses and saying the secret things belong to God. Those are the things most of the time we want to know, right? Tell me what no one else knows that's happened in our community with so-and-so. Or, you know, what happened to my neighbor? Let me tell you what happened to them. And it's news, it's secret, and now it's being laid bare. But when it comes to the word of God, God says, that belongs to me. But the things that are revealed belong to you and I. Here's those revealed things. And as we read these things, just as Pastor Blake was sharing this morning, all of a sudden they become alive. And all of a sudden they become your life because the spirit of God is within us. And we're alive in Christ more alive than we were the moment before because God's revealed them to us, not just in our soul, but he's washed our minds. And now we're prepared like we've never been prepared. And we don't know what we're prepared for, but I don't know, but it's exciting. And I don't know, I don't care what I'm excited about. I just know God gave it to me. So I want to do whatever it is. So God, tell me what you want me to do. You ever felt like that? Yeah, of course you have. Because the word of God is alive. It's not this law that the Old Testament we read about. Yet we know the foundation of it when we read the Old Testament like we have this morning. So this foundation of the word of God, now that Christ has become our sacrifice and his blood has washed away our sins once and for all. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or gentle. It's once for all. And we don't have the priesthood going in circles for us. And we don't have to offer sins, uh, sacrifices for sins. Uh, even those sins which were unintentional, we're still guilty for in the Old Testament. You know, and we are. We're before God and God's spirit makes us sensitive to those things. So, Here's the revealed things. But God is such a good God that he wants to share with us the secret things too. He can't help it. And for the sake of time, let's look at one of those. There's so many in the scriptures of God revealing things that were secret. So in Genesis chapter 18, verse 17 through 19, I'm jumping, John. Uh, but I'm going to go back. And this is when the three angels, which we learn one of the angels is really the Lord, are going down to Sodom because God hears the cry of the sins of Sodom. And three of them, they're all walking and Abraham is a discerner. He understands been walking what's been revealed to him by God. And, and uh, Abraham now is 
you know, the man of righteousness. And, and as the sand of the sea, those, those, the, if you could count them, anybody tried to count? And the stars in the sky, that's what God promised him because he heard God in the revealed things and he walked in them. And now God can't help it because Abraham now is discerner. He discerns. And that's, God wants to give us discernment in this world. And we need it desperately. We need to be sensitive to God's spirit to be used by him because there's no greater uh, purpose on this earth. You know, hey, food is nice, but you know, you have to keep eating it. You know, and, and after you get done, you, oh, that was just so good. I want that again. But your stomach says, you better not. You might throw up, right? But this we can't get enough of. You can't. That's what's so beautiful about it. You don't ever get full because you keep giving it away. And we leak. But uh, it's another subject, right? So uh, in Genesis 18, 17 through 19, uh, Abraham, he, he sees, he discerns these three angels walking by. There's something special about them. There's something going on here. And so he calls out to them and gives them a meal and they, they are entertained by him in his house. And I don't know how angels eat, but they did. And they're walking away now and this is the scripture. This is what God, we get this conversation, we hear this conversation, we're privy to this conversation that God has with these angels loud enough to know. And it says, and the Lord said of these to these other two angels, shall I hide? Shall I conceal? Shall I keep secret from Abraham the thing which I do? Seeing Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I know him. Isn't that beautiful? For I know him. That's what God says about us. I know Steve. I know you. I know you. In other words, I acknowledge you. I instruct you. You keep my instructions. I know him, that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord and do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. So, he could not keep from Abraham the secret things. Did Abraham need to know what was going on in Sodom, what God was going to do? He didn't need to know that. Do we need to know about things that are happening in, in the principalities and the powers of the world that, that we know are present and active? Do we, we don't need to know that. But when we walk in the revealed things that God has given us, he shows us more. He can't help it. And we hear that from, from the Lord here. Why should I hide from him? Because he's going to instruct his children and his children after that in the righteousness of God. In my ways, he loves my ways. God can't help it. In Job 1, verse 9 through 10, I'm going to go back to this, this hedge. And Job, we know, is a blameless man. 
in all his ways, right? It says it right there in chapter one, verse one. We're gonna look at nine and 10 because Satan ranged all over the world. He's walking all the world. He is now. He always has been. And he has to present himself before God and God's authority with the other angels. And so he does. And, and the Lord says, where you been? He's been walking all over the earth. He's honest. He has to be honest before because God is the authority of all authorities. And so Satan answers. And this is one of the rare times that Satan is honest in the Bible. He deceives Adam and Eve and says, oh, you won't die. Deception. But here he's completely honest and he gives us an insight of what Job had and that we can retain. And Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? You have made a hedge around him. A fence, a guard, you've retained a fence around him and his household and around all that he has on every side. He's shut in. I can't get in! Isn't that wonderful? When you walk with God, Satan can't get in because he's put a hedge around us. You have been blessed. You've blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Satan had to be honest about what happened and what was going on. I've tried to get through, but you, God, have stopped me. And that's the blood of Jesus in our life. That blood sacrifice that was that purchased our forgiveness and starts the hedge to be built up in our life. It's the foundation of the hedge. And God took the hedge of Adam and Eve, that's Garden of Eden, gave them in, in the, in the uh, wilderness. It's called the, the, the temple, the tabernacle in the wilderness. And they had the, uh, his presence in the holy place and said, here's the garden. You go in here, you'll be forgiven. You'll be blessed. You'll be encouraged. And then Christ fulfilled that and then he put it within us. This is the temple of the living God now. And God's spirit dwells in us if we've been born again. So, Satan had to be honest. And we get to hear that also. That's the hedge. And we need the hedge being built up in our lives. The only way that the hedge can be built up is that we have to understand and keep and continue hearing the revealed things. These are the revealed things. And when we're hearing the revealed things as uh, Ephesians, uh, or I'm sorry, Galatians says in chapter 5, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is, is God, really. Is love, because God is love. And that's the foundation. His love for us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And so he has become our possession, our love. And the fruit of the Spirit of, of, of God's spirit is love. And if you permit me to, to say this, that's the foundation, the hedge 
the foundation. And from God's love comes joy, right? And the hedge is being built up around us. And from joy, peace, and long-suffering, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. And the hedge of God as we walk in the revealed things that God has given us and he shares secret things to us goes wherever we go. Doesn't matter where we go because God's spirit is with us when we're walking in his revelation or his revealed things. And we, we share in his goodness and we understand his grace. So let me sh- finish with, with a, a story. or a, uh, So you saw some of the things that we do in London. Um, you saw Speaker's Corner, Hyde Park, and you know, just, you can only show so much on a three minute and 50 second video. But um, it, we just really have a lot of fun sharing the word of God. How can it get any better than that on this earth? Because it always produces what God desires. And I was sharing, I was preaching uh, not too long ago in this, uh, I saw this young man walk up out in the crowd and I just felt like God said speak you know speak to him so I stopped preaching and I said I said how you doing what's your name and he said not that it's any of your business but my name's Dean he was British so um, I said oh hey Dean my name's Steve I said I can tell you believe in God and he said who told you that I don't believe in God. I said, oh, yes, you do. So I continued preaching. And after about five minutes, I I felt like talking to him more. He stuck it out. He stayed there. He had lots of severe grins and uh, characters on his face. But um, I pointed back to him and I said, uh, hey, Dean. He said, what? Hey, leave me alone. I said, hey, well, I just, just... wanted to ask you a question. I said, uh, since you believe in God, he said, I told you I don't believe in God. I said, yeah, you do. You believe in God, Dean. I said, uh, do you believe in right and wrong, good and bad? And he said, who doesn't? Of course I believe in right and wrong. I said, well, do you believe that adultery is wrong? He said, well, yeah, I'm married. Got some kids, I, I, don't, I think that's wrong. I said, okay. I said, well, what about murder? Do you believe, believe murder is right or wrong? He said, in your case, it's right. I'd kill you for money. And he meant it. And uh, I said, really? You'd kill me for money? He said, yep, I've done it before. I'll do it. I'd, do it. I'd do it in your case. I said, huh. I said, okay. He said, yeah, I've been to prison. He said, but, uh, you know, I'd do it. And I said, well, can I explain something to you? And he said, go for it. I said, okay. He said, there's about 20 meters between you and I right now. And between you and I, there's something called authority he said, yeah, I told you I've been to prison. I understand that. I said, I'm not talking about that authority. I'm talking about the authority over authorities, which is God who sent his son, Jesus Christ, and 
He saved my soul 40 years ago. He changed my life when I was 17 years old. And he forgave me of my sins. His blood was shed on the cross for me. He said, I heard you preaching already. I know that. And I said, well, that same authority is between you and I. And my life is his life. And I don't have any other objective on this earth. And so, if you can get from where you are at to where I'm at, right here, and harm me, it's all right with me. Because I'm his. And if he permits that in my life, then I have to accept that. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said, yeah, I think I do. So I continued to preach about 30 minutes later. I got down and Tina and I were there and um, we asked if anybody wanted to talk and he was the first one up there and he walked up and he put out his hand and he said, ah, you're right, I believe in God. He shook hands and he shared with me that he had, he had uh, left his wife that morning because he had gone to the pub and he went drinking and, and his wife wanted to stay home. You know, he wanted him to stay home with his kids that night and he got up the, that morning and his wife was nagging him. He said, I had to get away from her so I went over here to this park and there you are, cowboy preacher. And uh, I said, well, you know, Dean, that this was not just that. that. And before I could finish, he said, oh, I know. I know, I know. He said, my aunt was bothering me for years about being born again she's born again like you are and she said you need I needed to be born again so I prayed this prayer with her two years ago and got her off my back and I said well it didn't work did it he said no I said you know it can it just is a matter of you being sincere and honest with God do you want that and he said yeah I, I do I do but I just don't know about right now I said, that's all right. He let us, get, he took a gospel of John and we prayed with him and it was beautiful and he went away and didn't see him again for about three months and I'm up there preaching again and there's Dean out in the, out in the crowd and he's with his wife and two kids and I didn't see him for a while so I stopped preaching and I looked at him and I said, hey Dean, how you doing? And he said, God, God. I said, hey, did you tell your, your wife and your kids you wanted to kill me? He went, no, yeah, no. But you know, our lives are in God's hands. I don't know if Dean, I haven't seen him since, and his wife and his kids, I don't know what's happened, but God does, right? God has all that in mind, and he has us in mind, and he's given us this reveal that is inexhaustive this revealed word, and he wants to give us more if we ask. Let's ask him together. Father, thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your loving kindness. Oh, God, you are so wonderful to us. Lord, you said to shout it from the mountaintops, from the rooftops. Lord, to not put our light under a bushel. Lord God, if you've not taught us Anything in this short time, in this, Lord, COVID-19, you, Lord, have shown us that. That we have been given a great gift in Christ Jesus. And, Lord, you require it of us 
Lord God, to share it. Gladly we share it. Lord, you are, Lord, our love. You are our life. You are, Lord, the one that is always our friend, Lord God. You, O oh God, are the one that forgives our sins. When we ask, and even when, Lord, we don't. Lord, but you draw near to us all the time. And you want us to draw near to you. Thank you for your mercy, O oh God. We seek you because, Lord, there's none like you. And we love you, O oh God, because you loved us first. Now help us to continue in this, walk in this, the revealed things as we look to them, Lord, knowing that you will give us more. Thank you, Father. Amen.